Good morning. I am Jim Bland, I'm an assistant pastor here. I think most of you know that. Very thankful to have the opportunity to open the Word of God today. Uh, Scott's away and he's continuing a series in the Lord's Prayer and we're going to continue in that series. Hear the Word of God. I encourage you to turn with me to chapter 6 of Matthew. Chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, our Lord Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them how to pray, and this is what he said. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. (laughs) Father, thank you for bringing us together today to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for your word that is clear. We thank you that you taught your disciples to pray this prayer. And as our Pastor Scott continues to lead us through this, bless us as we open this very simple section of a request for our daily bread. Teach us what it means far deeper than just bread, but teach us what it means to know the bread of life who gives us eternal life by your grace. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. There was once a time in our nation when every elementary school in all 48 states would repeat the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. Uh, Some of us in this room grew up in the 50s, and we remember those times that we in a public school were able to say the Lord's Prayer and to repeat the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. In the old Southern Presbyterian Church, uh, the church that that I was ordained in before the PCA was formed, when you went to a Southern Presbyterian Church, invariably in the worship service, you would know that two things would be repeated. You would repeat every Sunday the Lord's Prayer, and you would repeat uh, every Sunday the Apostles' Creed. But the evangelical church today has gotten away from those creeds or even the prayer. And so we've been dumbed down, quite honestly, over the last decades by not remembering or even understanding uh, what was going on in the church before and the church now. But we come now to this passage of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. Our Lord Jesus Christ has three separate sections in the Sermon on the Mount about prayer. So our Lord in chapters 5, 6, and 7 underscores the privilege that we have to pray. Now, if you repeat something twice, you know it's important. If you repeat it three times, you know that he's really teaching you something. And so prayer is an integral agreement in the life of a believer with our dear Heavenly Father. So we have in the Sermon on the Mount these three distinct sections on prayer, The first one is he teaches that this is a common thing for all followers of Christ. In the first century, when Jesus was speaking there uh, to those followers of his, or those who were listening to him, he said that we are to practice prayer. 
He said, there is something common among all of those who are pious, who who want to follow God. They are involved in three primary activities to show that practical holiness. The first is that they are to give alms. They are to give their tithes and offerings to help the poor and help the needy. The second thing he taught was that all followers were to pray. And the third thing was that they would have a very specific time set aside to fast, and usually fast and pray. So the pious follower of God, our Lord Jesus Christ said, not only were they to give of their tithes and offerings, but they were to pray. And then his disciples said to him, then Lord, teach us how to pray. The second section in the Lord's, is the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And then the third, that those of you who were in our teaching fellowship a couple of weeks ago know that we looked at a wonderful promise of God answering all of our prayers, calling us to persistence in prayer. So he set up prayer as a practice, and then the pattern of prayer is the Lord's Prayer, and then he said, be persistent in prayer by asking and seeking and knocking. The promise is that those of us who are diligent, who pursue prayer, will have our prayers answered. A transition is that this is a series in the Lord's Prayer. Scott, our pastor, has already opened up for us the three petitions of prayer. And you know that he began with God, asking God the Father, our loving Heavenly Father, to glorify himself. He preached on God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. It's very familiar. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. As he underscored each of those aspects of a relationship or a right relationship with our loving Heavenly Father, he underscored that God's name is to be exalted above all names. That his kingdom is here, but it's also to come. And then thirdly, he said, it's about your will, as it's done in heaven, to be done here on this earth. Now why in the world will our Lord Jesus Christ set apart how important it is to know that our loving Heavenly Father wants us to pray, and it's all about Him? Well, we have a problem, and that problem's called sin. We want our own way even those of us who are followers in the Lord Jesus Christ, still have that bent on sinning. We want our reputation to be exalted. We want our sphere of influence to be that which matters in our lives. And we want our desires fulfilled. And God says, no, no. You start with understanding that it's my name, my kingdom, and my will That's to be done. Do we have that settled in our lives? (laughs) It sounds so important. And yet as we think through every day of our lives, we have to wrestle with, is it our reputation or God's reputation? Is it our sphere of influence that, that rules within our lives, or is it really God's? And what about our desires? God promised that he'd meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory, in Christ Jesus. But we seem to mix up wants and needs. 
what we consider quite often are our wants, God says, no, I've promised not that I'm going to give you everything you want, but I promise I will meet your every need. And so in the fourth petition that we have in, before us today, give us this day our daily bread, God says that we're to turn our desires, once we have it understood who he is and who we are, he is the provider, he's the giver, he's the one that we come to and we ask. We need to ask. In James, it's written, you have not because you ask not. And so we are bidden to come and to ask our loving Heavenly Father for our daily bread. What could be more simple than daily bread? As we go through this simple passage, section, the fourth petition, we're to see to whom we are to pray, for what we are to pray, to wonder, is he really able to meet us in our every need? How often are we to pray this prayer? And then, my goodness, not only will he promise to meet us in our physical needs, but he promised to give us all that we need in our spiritual needs as well. To whom are we to pray? Well, we know that the Lord Jesus said we're to pray to God the Father, our loving Heavenly Father, who is ready willing and able to meet our every need materially. Do you really believe that? Come, come. How important is it for us to understand that he said that he would meet our every need? For those of us who are believers for an extended length of time, we need to look back in our spiritual rearview mirror to see how faithful the Lord has been year after year after year after year and how he has provided for our every need. No, he didn't meet my every want. I've had a lot of wants. And the loving Heavenly Father says to me, I know your needs. I'm not going to give you your wants because your wants are going to take you away from focusing on the life that is to be lived for me, my name, my kingdom, and my will, not yours be done. I promise that I will meet you in your every need materially. And so we have been adopted into God's forever family, and he's made promises to us that are yea and amen. And we by faith need to believe that he is that loving, good, good father that we just sang about. He is. And once again, I, I encourage you, you have a spiritual rearview mirror. Do you know that? That's called your history. And you, you can look back if you were to think in terms of journaling your prayers and how God has moved in your life over your lifetime. First of all, to call you to himself and then to provide for every single need because he is a good, good father. We're adopted into his forever family by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must ask. Secondly, for what are we to ask? We're to ask for bread. Now, is there a picture up there? There it is. Okay. Do you see that? That says a lot of things. We've got a lot of choices in America about bread. But bread is the staff of life. It is that which sustains life. 
Carbohydrate, yes. But you see in every single culture throughout the United throughout the United States, throughout the world, they have that core understanding and value of bread. In the Orient, it's rice bread. But it is that basic staff of life. And what our Lord says that we're to do, you can take it away now, but the Lord, because you're looking at that, you need to listen to me now. <laughs> I thought that'd be, I was with Linda in Kroger, and I said, you know, I need to take a picture of this bread. This really reminds uh, us of what we're going to be looking at today. But you see all those choices. In the first century, they didn't have choices. They had the foundation of life, and that was bread. So what are we to ask for? What are we to cry out to the Lord that he would provide? This basic food that supports life physically. So our prayer is for God to graciously give us all we need, not necessarily our wants. It's to maintain our lives. You see, bread represents the foundation of our physical lives. What we're asking God for when we cry out for our daily bread is very specifically that he would meet our physical needs, whatever they may be. Represented by bread, the bread of life. Now you have to think, is he really able to do that? You've had prayers not answered. But I've said that God answers every prayer. In our teaching fellowship, we have looked at prayer from God's vantage point, And he'll say four things about prayer in answering prayer. Listen to this if you don't get anything out of this sermon, except that God answers prayer. These are the four answers that God will give. The first is yes, and we have the petition that we ask for. The second is no. God, who's a loving Heavenly Father, knows what's best for us, and he's going to say no at times. I mean a flat no. says yes to answer those prayers. He says no. Now, I'm sure that you've had no answers. You've had answers that were answered <laughs> in no. And what is God saying to you? It's not good for you. I, I know what's best for you. I know your future. You don't. I know what's good because I'm a loving Heavenly Father. But there are two other answers that he gives us. The first is slow. Slow things down. The timing's not right. I'm going to answer yes but it's not right, so be patient. I'm going to answer your prayer. And the third one is grow. You're not spiritually ready to understand how it fits into the big picture of who you are, who he is, and the glorifying aspect that you are to be claiming his name, his kingdom, and his will. You need to grow spiritually. You need to use the means of grace to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. Four answers to prayer. Can you remember this? What are they? Yes, no, slow, grow. So, is he able? Of course, later in the sermon, he tells, later in the Sermon on the Mount, he tells his listeners not to worry because he is able to take care of you because he takes care of the birds and he takes care of the beauty of the fields. So turn with me. I don't think it's going to be on the screen. Turn with me to 
chapter 6 of Matthew, beginning at verse 25. It says, don't worry. Hear the word of God. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you are to eat or drink, or about your body, but what you wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and, let, and yet your heavenly Father feeds the birds. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So why do you worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the segue into, very specifically, how often are we to pray? This prayer, give us this day our daily bread. When we pray this prayer daily, it underscores our total dependence on a gracious Father. It also keeps us humble, and it also keeps us coming back. Daily. Daily we're to come before the Lord. Daily we're to cry out that he meets our needs materially. And then spiritually, and we'll get to that in just a second. But the question is, is he able to meet those physical needs? Has he proven from his word that he's able to do this? What examples come to your mind of how God ministered to his people through their lifetime? Well, I've pulled out two. Very specifically, is he able? Well, there are two miracles in the Gospels. The first one is the feeding of the 5,000. Second, the feeding of the 4,000. And each of those miracles ends in that there were 5,000 men, there were 4,000 men. But we believe the better commentators think that there were wives there as well, as well as children. Some even think that he fed the 20,000 rather than the 5,000 or the 4,000. Nevertheless, he met physical needs. And so Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Later, he fed the 4,000 men with seven loaves and several small fish. And then what happened at the end of feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000? Do you remember? What did he tell his followers? What did he tell his disciples to go and do? Okay, this, we can, this can be a mon- dialogue, not a monologue. Okay, go pick up the scraps. Go pick up the pieces. Now, now, why would that be important? Because he's able to abundantly meet the needs of those people. So much so that there, was, there were leftovers. 
In other words, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And we are so paltry when it comes to praying, give us this day our daily bread. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for another day of life to live. I thank you for the circumstances that, you, that I find myself in. I thank you for the very air that you've provided for me. I thank you for a sound body and a good mind. I thank you for my husband. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my kids. I thank you for my job. I thank you for the wherewithal, wherewithal that I am able to maintain by God's, by your grace, this semblance of life. I am a debtor to you. Do you wake up every morning and say that? I love to tell you that, oh yeah, that's where I am. Linda finds me on my knees every morning when it comes six o'clock. I'm reminded as I'm preaching this passage of Scripture that I, I come short when it comes to really trusting in God for everything physical. How often are we to pray? He, I just answered, is he able? How often? Well, it says daily. Give us daily. It underscores our total dependence upon him. What the story in the Old Testament really calls out to us to remember how God provided for 40 years. Do you remember the 40 years of provision? It was the Exodus when Moses was the one who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They were rebellious, so they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now, it's estimated that there were some million who came out of Egyptian bondage. How would God provide for a million people, and where were they? They were in a Sinai desert. They were in a desert. They, they weren't in the Garden of Eden or a fruitful land. They were surrounded by, by sand. How would God meet their needs? Well, he provided bread from heaven. He provided manna. And when they said, we, we don't like that, we want something like, uh, you know, we want some uh, meat to eat, what did he do? He gave them quail, so much so that it began to run out their noses, it said. He just said, I can provide for you. And so for 40 years, he provided for them. Did their sandals wear out? Did their clothes wear out? You know the story. Absolutely not. God provided for them and then he led them into the promised land. Forty years in the Exodus. Can you believe that? Is this really something that you can hold on to and not worry? Why does God say to us, Oh, you of little faith, why do you worry when you know who I am? Why do you worry when you know that I can provide? Why do you worry when I have provided for you over your lifetime? Why are you doubting when I'm ready and I'm willing and I'm able to provide? But the segue is our greater need is a spiritual need. The Father's met that need for us in our Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I am the bread of life. Hear that passage of scripture. I think Rich is going to put that up in just a second. This is from John 
chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. Hear the word of God. When they found him on the other side of the lake, he has just fed the 5,000. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. Now, in the first century, the Jews understood what he was saying. When he said, I am the bread of life, the I am is referring back to God himself. Jesus is saying, I am God, and I'm the bread of life that you need for life eternal. You remember in Exodus chapter 3, Moses at the burning bush, and then he feigned and said, I can't lead these people out of, out of the Egyptian bondage. What am I to say to them? Who has sent me to lead my people out? And, G- and God the Father said, I am who I am. Say to them, I am has sent you. So Jesus is picking up on what God said to Moses in chapter 3 of Exodus, saying, I am God in the flesh, and I am the bread of life. It's not just physical bread that you need to consume, but you need to consume me. I am the true bread of life. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, in speaking to the doubters said to them about God's provision. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and yet my God will meet all your needs according to his glory in Christ Jesus. He said it's in Christ that all of our needs, not just the bread, but the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is that good portion that all of us need. So in our application of the passage of Scripture that Scott likes to say, what are the takeaways? The takeaway is that God has made a promise to us through the book of Philippians that my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory, but the needs are met 
in a relationship, a personal relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. My God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. Not just physical needs, spiritual needs, because Christ himself has revealed himself as the bread of life. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Romans chapter 8. That passage of scripture, beginning at verse uh, 28, says that he will meet us in our need. He says very specifically that what he has done is he has called us to be his own, that all things work together for good to those of us who love him, who are called according to his glory, that he has saved us by his grace, that he has prepared us, prepared us for heaven by living a life that's pleasing to God, empowered by the Spirit of God. And then he says in verse 31, This calling is secure. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him freely be given all things? So it continues to come back to a right relationship with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will meet our every need. Will he meet the needs of the world, the whole world? The answer is no. It's the promises for those who have come into a right relationship with the Father through the finished work of the Son, who's the bread of life. Takeaways? What's your greatest worry? What's your greatest worry? What does God tell us about worry? He tells us to cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. How has he proven that he's cared for us? Remember your spiritual rearview mirror. Looking back, you've seen faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. If you haven't, you need to cry out that God will take the blinders off of your eyes to soften your heart to see the goodness of the Father in your circumstances of life and to rejoice that when you pray daily, give me this day my daily bread, It's not only for the physical needs that I have, but it's that he would assure me by his grace that I'm dearly loved by a heavenly father for he's given me the greatest gift of life through the I am, the bread of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace that's sufficient for needs. Thank you for meeting us in our every need, our physical needs and our spiritual needs. Thank you for answering our every prayer. Sometimes we need to be patient. There are times we need to grow in our understanding of who you are and who we are and mature in the faith. There are other times that you're going to say, no, this is not good for you, and we want to thank you for the no answers. But so many times those answers are yes. I love you. I will provide for you. Trust me, I'm trustworthy. Have I not met your needs in the past? I will meet your needs now and in the future. Oh God, give us a heart of faith. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.